This is Hank from the Wildflower Bee Farm podcast for Sunday, October 18, 2020. Another exciting week on the farm. This week we were focused a lot on getting our uh, sensors in place, working on different systems to try to get them going. And just today I finished getting a very new first time in the world system, and I'll explain that later in the podcast. So we're going to talk about the hive reports today. We're going to talk about the monitoring I just mentioned. We're going to be talking about this week's virtual field trip, which is about drones getting evicted. And and many of you beekeepers know what this is about. And if you're not a beekeeper, I'll talk about what we saw in this week's virtual field trip at wildflowerbeefarm.com is an incredible video clip of drones being asked to leave or being evicted. And finally, uh, I'm going to talk about something that just really has impacted me in watching the bees. And I really call it COVID honeybee decision making. And I'll get to that at the end of the end of the show. So the hive report. Every Each day when we can, when we're not doing our other jobs or working, we, we, we do a walk through the farm and look at every one of the entrances of the 31 hives that we're going into the winter with just to learn more about every hive, get to know their pattern from their behavior and so that we don't have to open them up to see now the sensors are going to help incredibly but the the walk around and look is really important based on the temperature in trying to install the uh, i'll talk about two systems the first is the broodminder which has been around for quite a while it's a commercially available uh, internal uh, sensing it senses either temperature the earlier versions just sense temperature the other uh, temperature and humidity so we ordered three of them we received the three uh, broodminder uh, sensors as well as one for temperature so we have three that will do both humidity and temperature and one just temperature we also ordered the cellular connection so <clears throat> the advertising suggests you put up a cellular uh, system close to, to the hive. It identifies the Bluetooth through Bluetooth and cellular networks. And then you can go and remotely uh, keep track of what your hives are doing. That was a struggle. The sensors placed in the hive work quite well. What you have to do, though, is be close to the hive to Bluetooth download the data. And then you can upload it to the website and you'll be able to see um, the data. The cellular um, device required it to be very close to a hive. So currently we only have one hive being monitored on that um, system. Very expensive. Over, I think it was over $600 Canadian for the one cellular module plus the cost of the sensor. Nevertheless, we put it up. We're monitoring it. We finally got it working. Um, it's going to give us valuable data. We have it way out in the bush. So it's a, a hive that wouldn't be normally, uh, you know, easily easy to get to, particularly when the winter comes along. It's the narwhal hive, so it's a sponsored hive, and we're going to be able to push that data to our uh, sponsors, and they'll be able to watch it throughout the year. For us, we're really interested in humidity. Temperature, not so much. The 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 internal sensors are at the top of the, um, in this case, second box. There's a uh, a deep and then a medium so it's on top of the medium and above the me uh, above the sensor is our moisture blanket now in, in making some room with that moisture blanket what became very obvious is we may i made a big mistake when we put the moisture blankets directly on the um the frames or the or the or the box the upper box without any kind of uh 
cover because what happened was, as you would expect, the bees propolized everything. So they they propolized the screen and made it solid to the second layer of the frame. So in the spring, when we go to uh, you know um, add other sensors, provide them with formic uh, treatment, uh, we're going to probably end up tearing a lot of these. Um, these covers it's going to be a real challenge to take them off and so when i when i put the new sensors in i actually put a wooden cover with a hole it has a large hole in it obviously to let the air go up and on top of that i put the uh, screened uh, moisture blanket and hopefully that will help with the propolis issue we did notice and, and you'll see if you're a member at wildflowerbeefarm.com we did notice that some of the drones that were being evicted did have a mite in one hive have mites on them so I had an incredible dilemma. I wondered, I mean, do I go and treat them this time of the year? And it's very late. You get temperatures that are fairly cool at night. Not the best for formic. And yet you, you know, so chose not to. And, and it's a very strong hive and hopefully they'll be okay. But a bit concerned about the, the mites that we did see on the drones. Because we've not seen it on any worker bees all year inside or when we do our outside video mite, mite checks. The hive's are interesting. We put a sensor in the uh, pine grove hive, and the temperature within the pine grove, hi grove hive uh, appears to be indicating they're, they're in a cluster, whereas some of the other hives, because of the sun that would periodically come out and heat up the uh, outside, the other hives have a much warmer internal temperature. So we're going to be monitoring that to see. That may be one of the negative side effects to placing um, the hives in the pine grove area where they don't have access to direct sunlight. On the uh, monitoring side, the, the, again, the purpose of monitoring, we have uh, monitoring in the Pine Grove Hive, we have it in the nar Narwhal, and we also have it in what we call the Branch Hive. Now, the Branch Hive has a commercially available, what's called, uh, I think it's called a uh, winter pillow. It has insulation, plus it, it provides a wick for, for the um, humidity and the moisture. And we're going to be comparing that commercially available product to our simple moisture blankets we made with screening and, and pine uh, shavings. And so uh, to this point, our pine shaving winter blankets appear to be superior. So we, you know, we, we want to thank all of you out there who, who on the internet, including Rusty. Name is Rusty, does a blog, fantastic blog on, and that's really where we got the idea and the model of doing this. So, so far the technology seems to support what, and it's very constant, the, the sense of humidity in, the, in those hives. I think the difference the other day was it was 60 some percent in the commercial uh, uh, moisture, uh, and it was 53 in all the other hives, and it was, it was constant. The third point in this week's uh, uh, podcast has to do with drone evictions. And so in our uh, virtual field trip, we have a five-minute clip where you'll see a number of drones be evicted by the bees. And the interesting question I would have is how do they, I, there's some suggestion that the worker bees start to stop feeding the drones as the sun, uh, there's less light or the temperature changes, there's some triggers for that. And then you'll see in our virtual field trip, there are a number of bees around the drone, and it's almost as if they're talking. Some are pushing, but some are talking or doing some form of communication. I'm not sure if they're tricking the drones into believing it's time to go mate, or somehow they're, um, they're encouraging them to leave the hive. And it would be important to do 
a bit more digging and research on that. What what is it that gets them? Because these drones are huge. You know how do how do bees get these drones out? If they're saying an upper box, or they're just hanging out and they're huge as they are, how do bees actually get them to leave? That's that's something that we haven't been able to find any science on. The final point has to do with what I call um, COVID honeybee decision making. And if you look around, just, just as an aside, I'm not sure what it's like in your community, but in our community, it's there's a great deal of talk about COVID. There's a great deal of um, the people that are supposed to be leading us, the, the politicians and so on, are talking about this and that, always this consultation. We need to talk more and, you know, do more studies, and we really don't know. And if you watch, the, what I find so encouraging when you, when you watch the the bees and the hive, they, they don't have a lot of consultations. The only time I'm aware of that they consult a great deal is when they swarm and the scouts come back and then they conduct a vote on what would be the best environment to, to move to for their next home. They actually have a bit of a democratic process um, and then a vote and then they make a decision and they have a hard and fast number. I believe it's like 70 or 80 percent. They don't, whatever that number is, they don't, it doesn't go above or below because they, they know that that's the number they need to be, to be quite sure that it's a good place. If they wait too long to get a higher agreement, they're going to perish because they don't have enough honey to last days while they hash it out. But when you look around our world, humans, we, we, we continually, um, you know, ignore and delay helping people that need our help. In, in more favorable uh, votes towards discussion or consultation or let's work it out. And we see, we see this even now with what's happening on the east coast of Canada with the dispute with, uh, with Lobster and that the Supreme Court made a decision and rather than enforce that decision, our, 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 you know, our military and police and mainly our governments decided, well, we need more consultation and talks. Whereas if you look at what happens with, with the honeybees, they make a decision. You know, the light's changing, it's getting colder, the drones are going to leave. There isn't a lot of negotiation or discussion because they know they need to do that to survive. Uh, I, I think the, you know, as humans, we're allowed to obviously have compassion in our decision-making. However, we could certainly learn from the decisive action taken by honeybees when it comes to all of the things that they're going to do to not only survive, but thrive. And I think that's one of the things we need to look at when we think about how best to manage um, what's happening around us. It's such an incredibly fantastic, um, you know, experience to be able to be immersed in that clear-cut decision-making that the uh, honeybees and nature has. So I'll leave that with you. Um, I'm going to be doing a blog on LinkedIn. You can check it out, and maybe it'll be. I'll probably post it on the uh, Wildflower Bee Farm Facebook site. If you're not a member, go to wildflowerbeefarm.com. Sign up, join up, help us with our journey, and and get a weekly video, uh, virtual field trip of what's happening in the hives. And this week again, it's about drone evictions. I'm Hank from the Wildflower Bee Farm. Look forward to talking with you again next week. <music>